This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Umphreys McGee. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreaks, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreys, helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode where I chatted with fellow Umfreak and guitarist for the band Fuchs, Mark Sultan. Mark and I talk about his childhood, his first festival experience, what his band is up to now that 2020 looks a little different than originally planned, what it was like recording at Jake's Boondock Studio and tells us about the EP that they recorded there. Mark also shares the correct pronunciation of his band name and takes us on a fantastic history of why they call themselves Fuchs. There's also video of our chat on the show's YouTube page as well as on the show's IGTV, and you'll find links in the show notes for both if you'd like to check that out. Thank you so much to Mark again for hanging out with me. It was so nice to finally get a chance to chat with you and learn more about your history with music and you and your band It has seriously been such a pleasure watching you crush your dreams.
dive in, I want to share with you an amazing offer exclusively for my listeners from audible.com. Audible.com allows you to choose from thousands of audiobook titles to download that you can listen to offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free to download and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. And something I thought was awesome, you can listen across devices without losing your spot. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and personal development. Every month, members receive one credit to pick any title from a number of genres and subjects, two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post as well as guided meditation programs. Also, if you can't decide what you want to listen to, don't worry. You can keep your monthly credits for up to a year and use them to binge on a whole series later if you'd like. I personally love reading personal development books and biographies about musicians, which I'm sure is not a surprise to hear. I've listened to some really great ones using Audible. A few that I loved were The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis, You Are a Badass by Jen Sinchiro, and some incredible biographies like The Dirt, The Motley Crue Story, Gold Dust Woman about Stevie Nicks, and Life by Keith Richards, which was absolutely phenomenal, and I seriously recommend that book to every music fan that I know. No matter what your favorite genre, Audible has something you'll enjoy. Head to audibletrial.com slash dropped among this crowd and you'll receive a 30-day free trial of Audible and a free audiobook of your choice. A perfect way to snag that book you've been meaning to check out. That's audibletrial.com slash D-R-O-P-P-E-D-A-M-O-N-G-T-H-I-S-C-R-O-W-D for your free 30-day trial of Audible and free audiobook.
This week on the show, another great conversation coming to you guys. I am pleased to welcome guitarist Joey Dougherty to the show. Joey and I talk about a variety of topics, including what it was like growing up with a dad that worked in the music industry. He shares his experience of going to Berklee College of Music. We discuss how Brian May's playing style is similar to Jake's. He talks about his first Umphreys McGee show, how the band inspires him in his personal and professional life, and tells us all about his newly released album, Experiment A. I personally really love this album. Highly recommend giving that one a spin. The various places that you can can be found in the show notes. A few of my favorites from the album can be heard throughout this episode. Joey also mentions in our chat some details about guitar lessons and lessons for mixing and production of music that he's been doing. So if you're interested in learning more about that after hearing what he has to say, you'll find links um, for how you can reach out to him in the show notes as well. There's also video of our chat on the show's YouTube page as well as on the show's IGTV. Links for that as well in the show notes. Thank you so much to Joey for taking the time to be on the show. It was so much fun to finally get to chat with you and get to know you better. I'm really looking forward to chatting again with you soon. Packed all your bags and you're leaving town to see the world before it starts to stop its spinning around. And you can tell everyone that I'm finally up and out. The curtain is up and it's time for the show. The lights begin to splash the stage And the buses hit the road But as the sun begins to rise The voice on the other line is older now You tried to watch me age But I'm older now That's true And why small business that makes shirts, pins, jewelry, sweet prints, or sells other interesting products that you think peeps would like to purchase? Is your band looking to get some attention from fellow music-loving umfreaks? Maybe you provide an awesome service that can make folks' lives better or easier and want some like-minded clientele? Or perhaps you're looking to hire some cool people to work with. Let Dropped Among This Crowd help you get the word out. With interviews on the show, and sponsorship packages that include ad time on the podcast, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and so much more, Dropped Among This Crowd can help you reach tons of fellow umfreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow um family. Email droppedamongthiscrowdpod at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. Here is my conversation with guitarist Joey Dougherty. 
Enjoy. So what have you been been up to? Where where are you currently or have been during all this going on? Okay, so I around the the start of the new year, I was moving from Boston to Los Angeles as a lot of my peers are out there, a lot of my mentors are out there. Um, and I got caught up in my hometown of Lidditz, Pennsylvania, which is in Lancaster County, about an hour and a half west of Philadelphia. Um, and for those that don't know about Lancaster County, it is home of the largest Amish population okay. in the world. I think it rivals Ohio, somewhere in Ohio, but um, yeah, so it's a really nice, quaint little area. However, there is a booming rock and roll industry here. Um, three of the world's top um, industrial companies for, for staging, lighting, and, and um, audio are located here. Claire Brothers, Tate Towers, and Atomic Design. Um, and they, they have nearly all the A-list clients out currently. So like, there's a big rock and roll, uh, I keep saying rock and roll like it's something cool. There's a big, there's a big <laughs> here that um, artists will come in and set up the rig to um, test before they go on the road. So it's a, like it's a fake arena that's here. Okay. That it's not occupied by uh, the general public. It's not for sale, none of that kind of thing. It's strictly to test the rig before it goes out. That's um, cool. So, so we're about three out, four hours south of New York City. So it's kind of off the beaten path for anybody to come here and nobody really bothers celebrities when they come through. So it's, um, it's still really great for, for the music business. Um, and I've grown up here my whole life. My dad was in the industry and um, it's not the worst place to be right now for me, but I am much looking forward to getting out to the West Coast in the next month or two. Yeah, I'm sure. So talk some more about your dad then, if he was in the industry, what did he do? Uh, my, my dad is a, uh, He's since taken a step back. He is currently located in Las Vegas as a um, an audio consultant, so to speak. Um, but he was on the road for quite some time as a system engineer, a monitor engineer, and a front of house engineer for the company Claire Brothers. Um, and now he's an independent contractor. And uh, it's uh, um, very much similar to what Chris Mitchell does for the the guys, um, but just in a, in a very different sense. Like he was out on the road with John Mellencamp and. Um, a few other American staples. I won't get into that. Um, it's uh, it's really interesting because I have the same name as him. So entering the business with a similar name has been been fun so far. <laughs> interesting. I'm sure. Um, but he's not. He's no. It's he's no rock star, as you know. Um, uh, Chris is is severely. Um, he's not given the the due that he needs. And I know a lot of people respect him and love him to death, but the things that he does for the band, uh, most people won't understand uh, how far and beyond he, he's got to go. And I know the band recognizes that, which is great. Um, and that's part of the reason why I love them is because I see that they respect their peeps that I grew up having as a dad. So <laughs> that's a cool perspective. That's a, that's a really interesting, interesting perspective. So what was it like then to have a dad that was on tour. Quite interesting, actually. Um, it's not like he'd be home after five every day, uh, which was definitely a downside. However, um, uh, he's like my hero, man. Like, like 
he was out there fighting the fight every day. And I was like, rock and roll, I could do that. You know, I, it was never a second question in my head. He never pushed me to play music. It was actually my grandfather that was like, here's a toy piano. You know, like he never, it was never like lacrosse dad that was like, I played lacrosse in high school. Now you're going to play lacrosse too. It wasn't anything like that. It was like, okay, if that's what you want to do, cool. Welcome to the struggle. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it was it was half and half because while he he was away and I didn't have the traditional suburban family lifestyle that a lot of my friends had, which is subjectively good or bad, I did have something different where he did sacrifice a lot. He would come home from the road to see like my first piano recital or my sister's first ballet recital. You know, it was it's a thing. It, it instilled a different set of values upon me than some of my my non-musician friends have so yeah that makes sense more of a quantity you know or quality over quantity you know that that him being there in the really important moments yeah yeah I, I, yeah and it was um <clears throat> it reminds me every day that it's the people that i'm surrounded with that are the the life experiences rather than the life experiences like the milestones it's it's who I share it with rather than the actual tangible. So yeah, absolutely. That's not to get hippy dippy, but no, no, I, <laughs> I like that. And you know, that's been something, you know, kind of to, to bring it back to like with, with my kids and being in this situation with them, it's, it, you know, like today where it's just like, Oh my God. But in the long term, the fact that during this time where everything has been scary as shit, we're all mm. together and we're all able to to lean on each other and, and have that. So that's, you know, it's kind of the same sort of thing is the people that you're surrounded by. For sure. For sure. Now, and remind me where you guys are located again. I apologize. I live like 20 minutes outside of Buffalo, New York. So. Oh, okay. Right, right, the, right on. The suburbs outside of, of Buffalo, New York. So. Yeah. Cool. So you're close to, to Chris Knoll then. Yeah. If you know Chris. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's a good friend. He's, I got, you got to give him a shout out every time anything Umphreys pops up. <laughs> For man, sure. Oh, man. Cool. So what have you been doing non-music related during this time? Well, um, I hate, uh, this is a very deep rabbit hole we're about to fall down. Um, <laughs> but I'm a member, I'm a member of an organization called the Freemasons. Okay. If you're familiar, a lot of people will call them like Illuminati or weird Scientology type cult thing. It's like the Rotary Club or like the church club with some, you pay dues to go in every year. It's like, it's a club where you can, you, uh, you know, they're philanthropic things. So I've been seeing a lot of those guys now that I'm home um, and catching up again because there are chapters all across the world. And I was hanging with some guys in Boston who are great musicians. In fact, a few of them were on tour with like Motorhead. And there are some really cool musicians that are that are Masons, actually. Um, so I've been seeing I've been doing some work with that because I haven't had the chance in the past three years because my job is in the in, in the evenings when meetings happen. So it's like, OK, whatever. But um, so I, d I do some scoring actually for them for national ad campaigns. I do some writing of music, but I've been also biking outside. I love to cycle. Um, it's, I'm just getting back into it now that I'm out of school. Um, 
and uh, my friends have been keeping me accounted for instead of drinking, maybe going for a bike ride instead, um, which good. is very important and, and having a glass of water, perhaps. Um, but uh, it's really just getting in, in touch with my family again and, and um, make, uh, you know, kind of seeing everybody before I split coasts. So, yeah. What about you guys? Are you are you guys staying busy? Like, what are the kids up to? Well, they just finished school. <laughs> okay. Um, their school year was supposed to be the end of June, but they finished because they canceled all the exams and everything. Sure. So they were like, "There's no reason to do any of this." So they finished last week. Um, we went to go clean out lockers and get things, and that was emotional for everyone involved. Um, right. <laughs> But just mostly, we've just been hanging out. We're still social distancing. Um, New York's going to open more stuff. But I don't know. I'm just feeling a little uneasy about stuff still. So It's definitely a, a slowly but surely thing. Um, here in PA, especially my county, uh, I'm not going to get political here, but the, the demographic is definitely leaning towards the why are we closed. And it's concerning for sure. Um, I've been doing small gatherings, people, like I said, seeing, seeing a few friends here and there, but it's not been like, oh, we're going to rage at a bar, you know, and bars aren't open. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're open for like a takeout thing, but it's, I see people that are, are really pushing the envelope. And for those who love music, especially us in our community, we understand the value of maybe we'll stick it out a little bit longer so we can see each other sooner rather than later which I think is important. Well, that's exactly how I feel. It's been interesting to see in my neighborhood. Um, we had people down the street last week, like participate in a drive-by birthday party thing. And mm. a couple houses down across the same street, there was somebody having a full-on situation party with just cars lining the street. My husband's like, just back away from the window, honey. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Stop <laughs> looking at it. Because <laughs> I was just mumbling oh, and getting so pissed. It's just like. That's it's like never once in your life you ever thought you'd call cops on a party. <laughs> sure. Like, that's not me. Like, I'm You're not like, the that's one not to me, do but it. it was the first time I'd considered it ever. <laughs> For sure. And it's because it's frustrating because, like, my kids want to do stuff too. Mm. You know, like they want to do stuff as much as I want to go and do stuff. It's just like, it's very frustrating when there's kids in the neighborhood that aren't doing what we're doing. And then my yeah. daughter's like, she gets it. She understands, but like, she's still going to be pissed about it. I'm pissed about right. it too. Right. Right. <laughs> so like right. I tell her, I'm like, you should be mad because I'm mad too. So sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's totally understandable. Totally understandable. Yeah. But, so cool. let's talk some more about your family. You have a sister you mentioned and a mom. Did anybody else was into music? So my sister, I will go to the mat and forever say she is a much more accomplished human being in her field than I am in mine. Um, <laughs> she is a uh, theater costume designer. Oh, wow. So she designs for musical theater, Broadway type production she did uh she, so she studied at uh, pace university in new york and did a few things with the broadway community and then bumped down to a broadway feeder program where she had a higher position so she could build her um 
her portfolio. And uh, that was here in central PA. Um, and that closed in early March and they're not going to reopen until May of next year earliest. Like the broad, the Broadway schedule is May of next year earliest. So wow. it's, it's not exactly, um, I don't know. She's, she's, so she's the closest thing to a creative field. My mom is a special ed teacher, um, who's currently teaching downstairs, um, which is cool. Her school year ends this week. So, um, that's about it. Uh, oh, I have, um, my, my dad has, a my dad was remarried. They got divorced and I have a, a half sister who's pretty young still in, in Las Vegas with, with him. So, um, she's, she's pretty cool and plunking the way at, at the piano and stuff. So. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you went to Berkeley. Why did you choose to go to school there? Well, it, believe me, it wasn't an easy nor a light decision to go there. Uh, it actually took me three years after high school to formally commit to going there and doing it. Um, in high school, I went to one of their small programs. I know they do like a large five week program that they're known for, for high school kids. However, I went to like a small guitar summit, um, just to check out the place. It was like a college visit, so to speak. And my, uh, my dad said, if you're ever going to go to music school, you're going to go and study engineering because you can learn how to play guitar and you're, you don't want to have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to do that. So learn something while you're there. And he always was afraid of Berkeley engineers. He was like, those guys know their shit. Uh, part of my French. But, no, you're um, good. You can, you can swear. <laughs> okay. He was just like, uh, those guys know their shit. And uh, like, if you're going to go there, be one of them. And I was like, okay. Um, so I went to the, the camp, fell in love with it. I was like, this is incredible. Uh, like my sophomore year of high school, something like that, junior. And then my senior year of high school, I had two minor heart surgeries that I used kind of as an excuse to not go to college. I was just like, well, I'm going to kind of milk the moment. And I, to be honest, I was really anxious and fell into a really deep depression that and I hate to get all sappy and hippy dippy yet again, but honestly, Umphrey's pulled me out of. Um, it was between them and Frank Zappa. Zappa was like huge at the time in my life and had been huge for about 10 years prior to that. And I was like deep in the hole of it. And the reason why I got into Umphrey's was because a few of my friends were into fish. And I was like, eh, they're cool, but like, it doesn't scratch my itch. And then somebody showed me Nemo when I was like 16. And I had known of them for like two years prior to the whole heart thing. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. It's not my, not my thing. I don't like the jam band thing. And then senior year rolled around and I was like, oh my God, like this is like Zappa, as, but like with loud guitars. Like, <laughs> and then I, I fell down into a hole so far. And in my life, I've had really unique experiences with my pop and meeting a bunch of people, but the only time I ever felt starstruck, and I wish I could tell him to his face this, I've, I've only met Jake once, and it was outside the Fillmore in Philly, the first show I ever went to, and I had been listening to them for years pr like prior to this, like I knew everything, right? And he goes, oh, hey man, I'm Jake, and he's like smoking a cigarette, and I'm like, uh, shit, I still need tickets, is what I said to him. 
And he goes, uh, okay, the box office is that way. I was like, cool, man, have a good show. And then, like, I just, like, kind of, like, piddled off. I was like, uh. It was, like, the only time. Only time ever I was like, uh. <laughs> because, like, when you meet somebody like that that has changed your world so drastically in your, your, uh, your formative years, you're like, oh, shit, whatever. Even though whatever happened earlier, like, it's just like that guy. Okay, cool. Maybe he's the one for, and I'm like, oh, but whatever. I'm fangirling now. Look at that. That's fantastic. I love that though. Those are my favorite kind of stories for sure. But I, I totally, I did a total, I did a total presidential candidate move on you. I tangent, I took a tangent totally off, off track about the Berkeley thing. And I immediately went into something I wanted to talk about. Um, so Berkeley, okay. um, three years after high school, I, I did some odds and end jobs thinking, oh, maybe music. Uh, I know music's for me, but I don't know in what capacity. Because I've been doing it all my life. I've been playing in bars since I was 13, like, monthly. Like, every every Friday, twice a, twice a month, uh, I'd do that. And then the other half, I would be doing, like, high school gigs. You know, like, type, type, we had, like, second Friday where the town opens up late or whatever. So I was gigging all the time from 13 on. And I was like, everybody's like, oh, you're going to be a, a real guitar player in life. I was like, all right, whatever. But I didn't know if that was the real path was going to a music institution because I thought for a while they're going to change me. They're going to mold me into some cultureless and, and, and creative, like, oh, the Berkeley creativity, which looking back is not necessarily false. However, I know how to turn it on and off. Um, I'm just starting to get out of it. Like learning how to do that is pretty tough. Um, Take the tools that you learned and and kind of make them your own. Is yes, yes. I had a great I had a great professor who started every lesson by saying, "You realize what I'm about to talk to you today? Talk to you about today is just another tool in the box rather than a rule for you to be confined to." I like that. And he was and he was a harmony professor, so that's incredible. Like it's that's everything because it's like quite literally the rules of music, harmony. And he was just like, no, you realize this is a guideline based on popular music from the past fifty to a hundred years. This is just we're we're just analyzing trends here in music. We're not telling you how to write. We're not telling you how to create. But if you want to not be palatable, but this is typical, you know? So I, I really enjoyed that. And I realized that Berkeley was a much more open-minded place than I had initially thought because I was like, Oh, they're all jazzers up there. They're all, they're all these guys that are, you know, they're gonna, and I know uh, there are a few guys that are within the Humphreys community that are also alumni of the school who uh, have a different perspective. And, and um, I know Colin Shore being one of them, he is, I don't know Colin very well. I have come across some of his mutual friends. He's an incredible guitar player and his band Squeaky Feet are um, just nothing. I mean, it's just uh, it's the next, it's the next one. It's the next one. But um, he he's way into the theory and, the, and, and jazz playing and I, I admire him every day. So he has a completely different experience. So that was why I was afraid to go to the school um, but then I realized, oh, the engineering thing is going to be the thing that not pays off, but 
is something that I'd really like to learn because I've been recording for years prior to that in my house and couldn't get it right. So. So why did you, you, why did you choose the guitar? So you're 13 and you're playing, you have obviously a talent that you're already like performing in clubs and stuff. So when did you pick up the guitar for the first time? So I was 10 years old. Um, prior to that, I had played uh, piano for five years. So I started when I was or six years. I started when I was four or five. Um, I had, we're getting really deep here. Uh, I had my tonsils out and my parents said, instead of the PlayStation, we're not getting you that. All your friends have that. We're going to get you a keyboard. So nice. they got me, they got me like a hundred dollar Yamaha Christmas keyboard, we call them because everybody gets one for Christmas, it seems. And, <laughs> uh, I just started to play around like on those like pre-made songs that are in it. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is what this is. And then they got me lessons with a guy who did no reading. He did not teach me any reading. It was all ear work from the beginning. It was like, and I, I don't know uh, if I can explain this. I don't know if you're following. Um, and I don't mean to be condescending if you are, um, but like hearing something on a CD and then learning how to play it just by hearing it rather than having to rely on a piece of paper to show you or um, having him show me like, oh, this is how you play. And then you just kind of like one trick pony, like, oh, my teacher said this note and this note and this note, and you play it and it sounds good. Like, it was like, no, find out why. And everything was a musical conversation. So that building block when I was four, all the way through 10, really set the groundwork for me to pick up the guitar. And um, it's just, I remember my parents said, oh, we have to get you guitar lessons now because you were playing the guitar out of tune, but you were finding the right notes on the neck out of tune to like, I, I think it was as cheesy as it sounds, I think it was the melody to Stairway to Heaven, not like the guitar part, but Robert Plant's voice. I was playing the melody of that on the guitar on an out of tune guitar in different positions like this because it was out of tune. They're like, oh no, we need to get you lessons so you can build this instead of like right. one, the one fingered wonder, you know? <laughs> Um, so that, that was a, that was a big, that was a big reason why. And honestly, what drew me to guitar was it's all cheesy. Everything seems to be cheesy with my, with my story, but no, there it's not a, cheesy. It's okay. <laughs> there was a funny trio based out of the UK called Keen okay. that were, that had piano, bass, and drums. And they were kind of like, because Coldplay had just come out, so it was kind of that weird Radiohead-derived thing. Coldplay distilled it, and then Keen took all the nice, pretty bits out of it and made pop songs. Okay. And they didn't have a guitar player, and I was nine, I was like nine or something, and I was still playing piano, learning their songs on piano, and I went, well, why am I learning the piano part? They have a piano player. Why not learn guitar and learn how to fill in the other parts? And... I wanted to be Keen's guitar player when I was nine. <laughs> so <laughs> if they're listening and they need a, and they need a fourth, please let me know. But uh, I don't think they're gigging anymore. So. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome though. So talk about your first gig. You're what? 13. So talk about that. Like who were you playing with? Are you playing by yourself? 
What my was that? first, no, my first gig gig. Like, is this in front of a paying audience or a captive talent show audience? Well, <laughs> let's let's say a, a paying audience. Okay, a paying audience. I was playing. God, when was the first time I got paid? I had to be in eleven or twelve, and I was. There was a like a I think it was a county fair, and my band. So my band. I have a history of having really weird names for bands in my life. The first band I was ever in was a band called Dooligus. Okay. And my mom had a dream one night about a pack of ravenous creatures in the woods. And some like little thing came out of the woods and said, beware of the Dooligus. And she told us that story. And we're like, that's the band name. So that's how we, <laughs> 11 year olds are like, yeah, we're going to run with that. Right. But so, so that band, we had played a bunch of talent shows in the area and we're getting strangely enough press because people liked it. They're like kid rock band is actually good question mark on the front page. You know, like, <laughs> like, and, but we weren't good. Like, but we were, we were uh, not train wrecking. Right. Was pretty much it. They're like, they made it through a song. That's pretty good. So we made it to the front page of our local paper and then the county paper picked it up. And then I think the I, I think there was a story that was run on the the regional news about it, which I don't know why it must have been a slow news day. Um, and then from there, these like strange family days started calling us. You know, like the grocery store at a family day downtown, and it was like, oh, we need a band for the day. Yeah. So here we are, like learning thirty songs. Like we went from like, oh, we got down Crazy Train, that's great, and then now we're like oh, they want to hear like three hours of music and we're 12. <laughs> <laughs> but we did, we did. And we, we amassed like 25 or 35 songs in like two months, something like that. And then here we are playing like Pearl Jam with like an 11 year old singer trying to sing even flow with his voice cracking. Cause he's just like, oh, wow. I, yeah, I love Eddie Vedder, but I don't have his his body yet <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I don't have that those pipes doesn't have those life experiences yet <laughs> yeah but but for all intents and purposes we became the house band um downtown at these these events every week or every month rather and then in between I came up I, I started to bump elbows with the local music celebrities they're like oh he's the guitar player he's the one that put that whole thing together right and one of the guys who's one of my favorite guitar players ever, his name's Cordy Byron still like he ranks up there with, with Jake for me and, 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 you know, Dominic Miller from sting, all these great professional guys, Cordy Byron is still up there because he plays with such sincerity and emotion that I can't find it anywhere else. He, he split to California for a little while and I ended up playing with his rhythm section when I was like 14 or 15 and then we became a bar band from there. And my teenage band kind of fizzled off. And then I started, um, I started the bar band thing and I was gigging a lot with them. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, I'm making, actually kind of making money. My friends are washing dishes and I'm playing guitar, which is kind of nice. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It's not like I was paying my parents rent yet, you know, like, <laughs> but I, I could afford a guitar pedal finally and it wasn't Christmas time, you know? like. <laughs> 
Um, so that was that was a good that was a good time, and then they really coerced me to go to Berkeley and continue. That's awesome. That's very cool. I like that you were raging even as an eleven year old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. My Danzig covers. I made Glenn Danzig very happy with 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 punk when I was eleven <laughs> at the grocery store. <laughs> old ladies coming to get bread. They're like, "What is going on?" airplane mother if you want to see hell with me and they're like oh yeah that's cool can i get a soft pretzel <laughs> that's fantastic so talk about your experience you finally get into berkeley like what is your experience of of going to that school a mixed one for sure um i'm gonna preface by saying it is simultaneously the best place to play music and the absolute worst place to play music because everybody has a vision there, which is so double-sided. It's like, it's amazing. The feeling that I miss most about that place is walking around the four square blocks or whatever. And anytime you see somebody, you realize they are on the same wavelength of, I have something to do. I have a place to be. I have a musical idea to impart. You're like, I am, this is incredible. And mind you, from all over the world, you know, like you could pass four people on the street and they will be from four different places that you may have never even heard of, like a small town in Denmark somewhere where like you learn about their recipe for dinner and you're like, oh wow, this is nuts. But then at the same time, it's a music school run by musicians. So like, everybody's sort of a flake, you know, like, it's like, oh, the, there's a reason why the, like, the catchphrase for Berkeley students is, hey, we should jam sometime, because it's like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, nice to see you, we should jam sometime, yeah, we should jam sometime, and you keep walking, because it never happens, it never happens, so it's a miracle, like, bands like Dopapod make it out of there, Dopapod Lettuce, they make it out of there intact like it's a testament not only the fact that they made it to where they are as musicians period in the regular world but the fact that they made it out of berkeley in one piece as a unit good for them like it's the struggle is more real than you think <laughs> that's interesting yeah i never never would have ever even thought about any of that so that's well, it's because you. Th I mean, the general the general population is like, oh, Berkeley. They're like music school, and they're great, and it must be easy to make a great band there. And it's like, yeah, well, it's easy to have great players, but to have them communicate effectively and love each other and not pissing each other's weedies every day, like, good luck. And being in the engineering side of that, I, man, I see it all the time having to do. Uh, personal relationships and like, oh, well, that person likes this and this person likes that. Maybe we don't call them for the same session, you know? And I know they're both great players that'll get the job done, but sometimes the, the personality outweighs the gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always a big piece of, I think, anything, working with someone, but definitely with something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... so we gotta we gotta go and talk about your uh, end of year tribute to Queen, of course. I knew it was I knew it was we, gonna come. There does a 
what they call a singers showcase, which takes the top singers for that semester. They audition and it's through a, through a screening process, kind of like American Idol, um, where they get picked and then they're the lead singers. And then the few that are the runners up are the background singers. And then there's a house band, which are typically the same people from the last one that kind of, it's really an exercise for the musicians to know I have to play a three hour show that is timed and with a script and with a, almost like one of those award shows, like the Kennedy center honors, where it's like the band is the backing band for a multitude of singers. And it's like, Oh, we have to change keys for that song because this singer sings down here. And it's like, there's a music director and it's like, well, uh, you know, there's a guy calling changes and, so the Queen show was not so much. It was more of a rock show where like it felt like song after song after song. But I did one with Aretha Franklin where it was like, hey, we have bumps. We have things that we have videos in between. There are things that are coming and there's an MD calling the shots like a pop gig. You know, Umphreys is very much uh, experimental if we want to use them as a model where like they don't really have a music director. I mean, if you had if you had to pick one, it would either be I would imagine it'd either be Joel or Jake. Um, somebody who kind of leads the endeavor, leads a rehearsal, so to speak. Like, let's take it from here, bar, whatever. Let's take it from that to the end, just rehearse that bit, you know? And so we're doing that. We did it for like two months and it was like five hours every Thursday night. Uh, we would get together and just run these tunes for maybe 10 minutes per song. So it's like, you have to have your shit together because we're not rehearsing these songs. Like, they better be right. So it's, it's for these singers to come in and like sing with a band for real, you know? And it's a, it's a really great gig uh, doing that, doing that at the school because you get to meet some of the top players at the school who want to do that. There are amazing players at that school that don't want to do that kind of gig and I'm not snuffing them, but the, that particular style where it's like, I want to play with a click maybe sometimes that they'd feed you a metronome in your ears. If you had some, that kind of thing, learning how to play in a house band type, like voice type deal is was really the exercise so um with queen uh we had a list of 30 songs i think it was that like so there were arranger arranging students at the school that take the songs and like i want to change this bit i want to smash it down to make it smaller and maybe do some reharmonization um which is cool for other bands but i didn't dig it for queen i was like just leave them alone Leave the Queen songs alone. They're classics. There's reasons why they're Queen, and it's not because you reharm them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but they were really respectful about that. They understood that. They're like, yeah, we probably should be a little bit more um, honest to the to the original um, piece. So it, it was a good time. I mean, my buddy, a good friend of mine here, who works for one of those sound companies, Claire, who used who used to and still handles Queen um, has uh, one of Brian May's guitars that he let me borrow for the show, as you can see in, in some of the videos that you got to watch. Um, it's not, um, it's one of like the production model things that he played. So um, still, that's such a cool opportunity for you though. It, it sounds great. It plays incredibly it's a tough to play. It's a tough to play instrument uh, due to the electronics because Brian is such a wizard with his design. Um, but I finally got it to a place where I could understand his method of sonics in his head, 
you know, like how he used the amp with the screaming pickups that he had. So what do you think was the hardest thing about like learning his playing and all of his different things? Well, the fact that there's like five of him at any given time on a record is not exactly the easiest thing. I had to do a lot of watching him live to understand how he presented himself live. Like, oh, hey, there's this. And I had a bitchin' other guitar player play with me. Her name's Melissa Henderson. And she is like, she's the next guitar player's guitar player. Like... Check, check her out if you haven't. She is super shred meister, like full ride Berkeley uh, metal, but not metal, like kind of progressive. Like her original stuff is mind blowing. Like it's not how I play. I, I, we both met in the middle. She came in from like the super prog rock side and I love prog and uh, clearly, but I also come from like that bluesy Wadi Wachtel session player, Jimmy Page type side. And that's why they had me do the Brian May stuff. And they had her do like the rhythm Brian May stuff because they knew she, her technical abilities were there. Right. So we partnered in the middle and we're like, let's do this. And she is one of my favorite people. She's my best friend, one of my best friends. And uh, man, she could play guitar. So it was that the toughest happen. part was, was getting together and going, all right, what are you playing? What am I playing? What are you playing? What am I playing? Oh, we both need to play two notes. So there's four of us, you know, like instead of one note solos, it's like, oh, we have to learn this whole solo and double stops because there's four parts, you know? So it was a time. It was a time. <laughs> But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I loved it. I mean, we've we've talked extensively about how I feel about Queen and my kids, my nine year old and my five year old are like obsessed with Queen. Nice. So when well, I told them saw- that I was gonna talk to you too, they were like, Really? That's so <laughs> <laughs> like mini celebrity in my house. So <laughs> No, 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 no. Um uh, Brian two things happened to him earlier this year. Did you see that? He he quote unquote had an uh how did he how did he put it? He tore his gluteus maximus due to an aggressive gardening experience, I think is yeah. what the quote was. Um which is interesting to say, Brian. I don't think your turnips are that pressing, but that's okay. <laughs> um and uh he had a heart attack like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like what the hell, dude? Just chill out. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> We don't need you gone I'm like, yet, I man. can't even handle that in 2020. Like, no, no, I'm, Brian. I'm, you get... I'm already like on the edge, please. <laughs> you have things to do. Go back to looking through your telescope, dude. <laughs> please. The, the amount of things that he's done, though, are incredible. Uh, one of my close friends in high school, his dad was on the road with Queen back in the day because of the company that was that was here. So hearing some of those stories are just nuts. And I don't want to knock Bohemian Rhapsody the movie because I'm sure he's a huge fan, but they censored the shit out of their life experience. Of the course. things that happen that cannot make it to the screen. <laughs> oh my! And it's not in my place to tell them on air. That is, I will not be the I will not be the bearer of these stories. But I've I've read plenty of books about <laughs> the band as a whole and members separately. So I have. I have an idea of some stories. (laughs) Yeah, I had a professor at school, actually, that um, did the work with, um, he recorded some of Queen's stuff with um, George Michael, because he was in the George Michael camp. 
And he said Brian May would show up every day to the studio with wooden clogs on. Okay. Like that would, th- those were his relaxing shoes, evidently. And it's just like wooden clogs, seriously. And that's interesting for such a large man. Like, yeah, like, uh, okay, they gotta hurt, dude. Like <laughs> that, and yeah, he's he's seen his fair share of queen parties, so <laughs> very nice. But so you mentioned to me that you saw some similarities in in Jake's playing to Brian's playing. So talk about I, that a little bit. So having studied Brian really extensively and being such a such a fan or or I, I don't my my I don't want to say this on air but my love for Umphreys is kind of not dwindled as in like I don't love them as much. I just have matured in a different way and I'm on to different things currently. But having been there for such a long time, I'm like, whoa, Jake's playing. I see a lot of players in Jake, first of all. Like, I see an incredible – and he would even say the same thing. Like, I think in an interview one time, he was like, yeah, I'll start with, like, a Robert Fripp-type lick, and then I'll go into, like, an old country lick, and then I'll – and you're like, okay, so you're playing puzzles. I get it. But Brian's sense of melody – the hardest thing about Brian is he writes these incredible lines, these incredible melodies that are that rival Freddie's vocal. Like people can sing his solos just as well as Freddie's voice, right? And Jake, when he's not fire and brimstone, he has these really, I don't want to say sensible because it's not, it, it transcends sense and 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 logic it's like i'm gonna play something that is so near and dear to my heart like for instance the first solo in haji off the record Mm -hmm. the studio version like that you just listen and like every time you hear that you're gonna sing that solo you know that one in and out by heart and like it's that kind of thing where you're like he's got he's got a legendary guitar players thing to him Mm-hmm. you know yeah. which it, you don't see very much like I mean I see it in Trey I see it in other contemporary guitar players but there's a reason why I gravitate towards Jake and I think it's because of his his love for the for the melody mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense so let's take it back to your first show okay so what year was that again Oh God. Um, I don't think you said a year. You said it was just in Philly, right? At the Fillmore. Oh, my first Umphrey show. I was yeah. thinking my first gig that I ever played. <laughs> okay. Cause we, we had talked about that earlier too. Um, okay. Uh, my first Umphrey show, man, I had been listening to them for four or five years already and I never had the time to go see them. I was just like, eh, whatever. And they weren't coming close. And I was like, I'm not driving three hours to see a band that like I love, but I've never seen, like, I don't care. And I didn't get the whole, like, I'm going to see them three nights in a row type deal. But I, I, it was 2015, 2016, 2016, 2016, let's just say 2016. It was the first time, it was the first time they had come back to Philly since, like, when they were playing smaller venues, I think. Okay. Because they made a big deal about it. They're like, Philly, we didn't know if you were going to come here, but we're definitely going to stay, but we're going to come here every year now. Like, it was a thing. Nice. 
So whoever's listening can clarify that. I think it was 2016 because of the October run. It was around Halloween and I went for three nights in a row. The first night I was like, shit, this is incredible. I didn't plan on staying in the city. I was like, I'm going to go home. Like a few of my friends and I were together. We're just going to drive home. On the way home, we bought our tickets for the next night on online. Like we're coming back the next night and we're like two nights in a row. Fine. When we got to the box office, we pre-ordered for the next night before we even saw the show. So it was like, okay, cool. We knew we we're doing this. We knew this was going on. Um, and to this day, I'm not like a, I'm not, I don't have crazy stats. I don't have like people are up there in like 80, 150 shows, 30 shows even. I'm like somewhere, I think I'm like 15, something like that. Like I'm not, I'm not a chaser because I don't really have time in my life to do yeah, that. You're right doing now. your own music thing. So it's, I would, it's difficult. I, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I would love to see them every night. Like it'd be like, cool, let's have a beer and watch them. Awesome. But I've, I've grown in different ways and, and um, I've grown pretty close to Carl Engelman recently. And I find that to be more validating than going to see them all the time because him and I have been, we do little writing things here and there every few weeks. And, and, I get, I get that, that side out with him now, you know, it's just like, I listen to them all the time and it's cool, but I really see where they got their thing and it's Carl Engelman. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's this, it's this like ween type straight up art. Like if you took the hard rock edges and the, and the, the grit and the jam off of Humphreys there's this one underlying weird art, not I don't and, and I don't want to say frat boy thing because it's not frat boy, but it's like this like guys who want to play music just to have fun, and he's the beacon of that. I see that and I go, oh yeah, oh yeah, Carl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hanging out with Carl is a lot of fun. He's he's such an awesome dude to like pick his brain and talk and everything too. So he mentioned to me. When I talked to him recently, he's going to be on the show in a couple weeks. Okay. Um, he mentioned that you were on his new food album. I don't know anything about that. I thought and that that's... was funny when I said that to you. I was all <laughs> like, hey, congrats, you're on the album. And you're like, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I... Because with Carl, you never know what is going to... He'll send you something... And he'll be like, hey, lay something down. And I give him like eight tracks of guitars. I'll be like, pick what you like out of this. And it's a completely selfless thing. It's just like, all right, I'm going to do eight different ideas. And you go with what you like. And when I hear the final product, I go, really? That's what you picked out of all that? Like, because there'll be bits that I like, but I never like force it down his throat. I'm never like, this is, this has to be in there. I just go, yeah, use what you like. And it's interesting to hear what he picks to see what the vision would be, you know? So maybe one of those songs made it to the record. I don't know which one. I don't know what guitar part made it to the record. I don't know anything, which is very Steely Dan of him. I, I will say he is very, he's pulling a Walter Becker right now because that is, that is some Steely Dan shit, Carl. <laughs> I like some that. Sneaky, sneaky ass shit. <laughs> And um, your response to it was just the best. You're just like, 
Okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, no, it's it's the first time in my life I'm going to feel like a Larry Carlton because Larry said like all those guys, Larry and Steve Gadd and all those big session guys that played on the Dan records, they'd go, yeah, they'd make us go out and buy the record to listen to each song to see what I actually played on that. <laughs> <laughs> Like a who's who. So, yeah, it's just like, uh, that's definitely not my part. Like, okay, but who knows? But the Alibaba's Tahini record, if you haven't listened to that, the general populace. The new bottom feeders. Oh my god. He said he said he sent me a pre a pre-advanced copy of that, like in December, I think it was, or November, maybe even earlier than that. And I remember taking that to a turntable at school and going like Holy shit. Oh my God. And just the, the, the track bottom feeders alone is just amazing. And dancing with the rat is another one of my favorites, but that song too. That's such a phenomenal album. It really is. It really is. So yeah, if you're watching this and you haven't listened to that, listen to that album for sure. Cause it's for sure. It's good. So have you ever, played an Umphrey song live. Okay, so I used to play in a if we're gonna if we're gonna call Umphrey's a if Fish and the Dead are A level jam band and Umphrey's is like B level jam band. I used to play in a G level jam band uh way down um when I was like eighteen or nineteen. And uh I uh, one of the songs I used to play was was Kitchen, and I tried, I was like, please, can we not play this fucking song anymore? Like, I love Kitchen, it's a great song, but every jam band in their mother's jam band plays that song. <laughs> and um, and then we started playing Women, Wine, and Song, which is fine, but um, I, I tried to get together a bunch of great musicians that I know to do an Umphrey's tribute show. And like, similar to the Queen thing, where we mm-hmm. would like take, we would do, it was going to be four sets, it was going to be two nights. And it had, I mean, like very much like them, it, it was, the sets were planned out with transitions and the whole thing. And there were a lot of deep cuts in there and it just couldn't happen. And I'm looking forward to it happening one day, maybe. Yes, but That would be cool as hell. I don't know. Um, who knows? Maybe when live music comes back. But I did, I have played Umphrey songs live. Um, this one band I played in, I, I would like sit in with them occasionally. They asked me to come learn Bridgeless. So I did, and we played Bridgeless. They had me come play guitar for them, which did not go over very well, as you may guess, because I'm like, I know the parts really well. And then there's like local guys like, yeah, it kind of goes like this. And I'm like, you can't half-ass this song, dude. <laughs> like, so... So let's see if you could sit in with Umphreys for any tune, what would it be? See it uh, with them. I see, I see a lot of guys sitting in and they're playing cover songs. So it's like, okay, what cover songs do I want to play with them? And really, I don't think I'd like to play anything like by the Eagles with them. Like I would think like some really heavy, like Joe Walsh era Eagles, like, kind of like Life in the Fast Lane type shit or like, you know, some old Southern rock because that seems cool. Or I don't, 
I don't know about covers, but definitely it goes through waves. Like I'll hear a song like that's the one I want to play with them. That's the one I want to play with them. That's the one I think about it. Um, but original stuff got your milk. I would love to play that with Carl and Umphreys at the same time because he was the one that wrote that. That's like um, ex- that's like extreme, like having Umphreys and Carl in there and like you play. That's like I think if like if the both of us came out together, it would be like oh, it would be it would be the thing. I'd be like, this is <laughs> the only way to play "Got Your Milk" is with Carl Engelman. Um, either that or. Stinkos would be fun, but that's a pretty beta answer, I think, because it's all guitar shred. Um, I have a, and I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I absolutely adore the song Educated Guess. See, I like, I love the studio version of that song, but I feel like it does not translate well on stage. Correct. I feel the same way about Forks. I love Forks, but I don't think it translates well on stage. Dude, they are an incredible studio band. Like, similar skin changed my world. It's a great album. Because I'm a huge Foo Fighter fan. And Foo Fighters fan, rather. And it was like a weird hybrid. It met, Umphreys met in the middle from like Foo Fighters and Zappa. And I went, yep, there it is. So like, it has that Foo Fighters big production on it. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. Like it's not us. It's, you know, that, that whole era of records, the recent ones, they're still heavy. They're great. And the engineer on that's phenomenal. He does work for fallout boy and pa- uh, Patrick stump. So he's got that shit down, but there's something about similar skin that has like the secret sauce on it. That is leaves me to chase, chase more of that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a great album that I feel doesn't get enough uh, credit. I feel, I mean, I, they're all phenomenal, you know, for me, it's sometimes it's hard to pick a favorite album because each one kind of represents a different era. I mean, I've been seeing them since 2007 and that's a a lot of, of my life. Like I've had more children during that time and I've had different relationships and like, I've had things happen in my life during that. So for me personally, it's sometimes hard to pick a favorite album because I'm like, well, this album's great for, you know, this reason. And then this reason and this. So I'm I'm happy to hear that you're giving some love to that album because that's, that is, it's a great album. Yep. And and it just came out in the peak of me finding them again. So like, it was like new Humphreys album. And I was like, Oh, let's start there. Let's see what they're doing right now. And then, I mean, I, and then it was a clear pathway to anchor drops and safety numbers from there. But you know. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your own music. You just released Experiment A, and yes. I love it. I've been listening to thank it you. a bunch. I well, love. Thank you very much. What is that tune? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Ruby Shoes is the one I really like, okay. and I I love like the middle of it. There's just so much McCartney in there. And I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that record uh, was from the beginning to the end. The intention was, hey, just put some shit out. It was never like, I mean, I didn't put it out to change the world of music or to like leave a stamp on music with that. 
um, I just went, hey, I do things. It was really supposed to be fodder for my website. Like, oh, hey, I because there's stuff up there right now that um, that like I've played on other people's sessions. But like, it's like, hey, I wanted a calling card that says, hey, I wrote all this. I played all this. I mixed it. Um, I, re- I tracked it all myself. Like it's all the entire record. There's nobody else on there but me. And my one friend who sang one backup vocal on one of the songs. So, like, that was supposed to be the intention. So any any sort of anybody that liked it, I'm eternally grateful for. Because it's like, oh, cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, I plan on doing another one. There are a few tunes on there that really mean a lot to me. Um, that are that I will play for a long time in my own catalog. But the next one's going to be cool. And I, I did, um, I did a record uh, prior to that and I'll have to start promoting it again. I did an EP with a gentleman named Jack Douglas, who was the producer for John legend, uh, John legend. Wow. (laughs) John Lennon. (laughs) Um, he engineered imagine by John Lennon and went on to produce double fantasy. And he produced all of the Aerosmith records as well as, discovered cheap trick in that bowling alley up in uh, Wisconsin. Wow. So he's the dude and he did a few songs we did together. Um, and we did a killer version of can't you hear me knocking, which was yeah. impromptu. It was impromptu. Uh, none of those songs were cut with a click track, mind you, like none of them. It was all live band in the studio. Like no, hardly any overdubs, like nothing. It was all real right there. Very much like the Abbey road sessions. Yeah. That Humphreys did. So um, that's another great one, and I had a really good time doing that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Experiment A is out everywhere now, and check it out. I mean, if you'd like, I think I'm going to put up some sort of link that you can um, buy it for free or, or donate what you will. I know it's on iTunes right now, um, and they put their arbitrary Tim Cook price on it. I think it's eight ninety one, um, but I won't be offended if you pirate it. So <laughs> it is on Spotify too. Oh, there it is. It's on Spotify. It is on so. Spotify. We were listening. I mean, you sent it to me, but we were listening to it and we like it. Oh, so. cool. I told you, you're well, like a mini celebrity much, in my house. Well, uh, yeah, well, you know, hey, if you, if you want to be on songs, send me samples of things. I'll try to make music out of it. <laughs> Maybe you'll be on the next Carl record. Maybe we'll have to do a trio thing. That would be fun. Listen, we just gave my son his first set of drums and my daughter's like trying to get into keyboard. So yeah, that's there you go. We're well, gonna here. have to get Chris and Chris and Joel to to teach him some things. For sure. It'd be great. I would love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So I want you to tell me how Umfreeze has inspired you, you know, personally and then professionally in in your life well my college roommate nick who is a mike campbell incarnate right tom petty's mike campbell he is the quintessence we're talking about melodic guitar players he ranks up there like actually at 22 23 already like he plays things that i go where'd you come up with that he goes i don't know i just played it uh (laughs) He can attest, and so can my my other roommate, Frank. His name's Frank Giampietro, and he's an incredible session drummer. Um, they will tell you that they nearly kicked the shit out of me a million times because showers, 
me making food or getting food rather from the corner store, um, sitting there at home doing homework, it was nothing but um, freeze on repeat. Like it was just me listening to things and they're like, we listened to the song already. I was like, yeah, but this is a different version. Like this is from I'm like, Oh fucking Christ. Like, <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Nick is a huge dead fan. Like he loves the dead and we would have arguments and brawls. I'd be like, yeah, but the dead, they don't, nah, Umphreys. And he'll be like, you realize without the dead, like, there is no Umphreys, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know, but, like, so, and it's all in, it's all in, it's all in good, in good fun. Um, but the Umphreys has inspired me creative, uh, creatively um, just by showing me that it's okay to not write a three-and-a-half-minute pop song sometimes. Like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And Floyd did that for me a long time ago. Um, but in the constant pressure of, hey, you need to adhere to this standard of music and, like, these guidelines, it's always good to have an inspiration that shows you, hey, play something that speaks to you. You know? And professionally, I think their marketing is genius. I think their engagement with the fans is, like, none other than I've ever seen with any other musical act ever, period. Done. 100%. Like, I was, I was, I had the great opportunity of going out and doing a few dates with Eddie Money last year uh, in an opening band. And, like, he, he engaged with his fans, but there's, like, this disconnect where his fans go, oh, well, he's he's Eddie Money. Like, he's been anointed by Zeus upon Mount Olympus of musicians, right? Like, he's part of the, the pantheon of rock and roll. Although, albeit a low rung, He's still Eddie Money. Right. You know? Dude has, like, 15 hit songs. Like, but Umphreys, I was at a bar one time, and Stacey came out of the bathroom, like, full guns blazing, bore ass out of the bathroom, like, and, like, he was like, sink's broken in the bathroom, give me high elbows, and he's, like, just elbowing the whole, the whole bar, and I'm like, there you go. Like, that's, that's something, that's rock star right there. Like, Good guy playing music, having fun. Mm-hmm. He's the he's Absolutely. like quintessence of rock star to me. Is guys who like to who understand that the art is for the people, as well as it's from themselves, for themselves, but also for the people. And the thriving, the energy of that keeps me going and going. Oh hey, like I never will think I have a fan in my life. It's just like I just have people that I get to play music with. And people and people I get to play music for, and I don't. I, I hate name dropping, but um, I'm gonna name drop. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I got to play with a really great session bass player named Chuck Rainey last year, and bass players watching will know who he is. But he played in Aretha Franklin, and he played all the bass parts on the Steely Dan records, essentially, and has been hired gun central for sixty years, right? And aside from the fact that he turned to me and said, oh, I, we wrote this song after marching with Dr. Lu- Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like they went out and protest with him in 68. Him and Aretha were with the doctor, the reverend. And it's just like, oh my God. Like that level of life changing thing, right? And he's telling me about that experience. I asked him, I said, what's the best thing about playing music, Chuck? Because if anybody knows, it's him. And he laid on me this. He goes, it's meeting people. 
And I was just like, oh, oh you're so wholesome. <laughs> like, why are you so good? <laughs> like, why are you? Because <laughs> I was expecting him to be like, oh, it's like the feeling you get when you play this. And then it locks in together. And then you're, you know, time stands still. And like the universe opens a crack in the sky. And you're looking at the face of God, right? Like, I was expecting there was like an integral moment where sunshine poured out of the producer's ass and like the music sounds amazing right and then you have a hit record and then all of a sudden you're doing horrible habits down at santa monica pier like whatever (laughs) but no he was like it's meeting people and you know what he did he shook every person's hand on the way in and way out including the monitor engineer who was like a second semester engineering student he he goes every person has a purpose and without them it wouldn't happen And he made sure to look everybody in the eye and say, thank you for helping me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And I'm like, oh, man. So, like, I see that in my favorite bands like Umphreys. And and even now, like, I look at bands like uh, or artists like Warren Zevon and some of his session musicians who have been very kind to me and, and have brought me into their circle a little bit. It's like these old guys who are, like, not out to prove anything. The one thing that I turned, I turned my dear engineering friend on, she's from the UK and I drove her down from Boston to Port Chester to see Humphreys. She was like, let's do it on a Sunday night. I have class at 8 a.m. tomorrow, but let's go. I was like, okay. The first thing she said when she saw them, she was like, holy shit, this is incredible. I was like, right. And she goes, what's incredible about it is it, it's like my, it's like watching my uncles totally kick ass. Like, watching these dudes who like will be at a cookout just totally go up there and burn the house down. She was like, it's not, they're not up there in leather with spiky hair and like, like the light shows obviously there, but like they're not there being all eighties bullshit. And like, they're there dressed up in their clothes that they got from old Navy or wherever. And I'm not bashing it. I think they look great because I wear the same shit. Um, right. But they're, they're wearing their clothes that they got and Jake's wearing new balances or whatever. And they're just playing music yeah yeah there's no bullshit or pageantry which is there's a time and place for that you know but right they really want you to know the music and the people come first which is kick-ass yeah and that's it always comes back to that is the people in this community is is so huge that's something that I don't see a lot in other bands you know I talk about it so much is this as much as the band is so unique, so is the community around it too. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, excuse me. Somebody was. I should have put my phone on airplane mode. My apologies. Um, no, you're good. No worries. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you can come across the biggest of rock stars, and circling back to my dad, full circle. He always used this expression. He could tell when a certain somebody, a celebrity, or um, a high-profile manager or a, or just somebody who pulled some weight, he goes, I could tell if they cut their own grass or not. Like, when they're off the road, like, barring touring, obviously, because Brendan's not flying back every Thursday to cut the grass. But, right. But when they're off the road, right. cut their own grass. You know, they, they take care of, they shovel the driveway when the snow's there because it's their house and then and they still have an integrity thing like and that goes a long way goes a very long way and i've been trying to i've been trying to embody that spirit still you know i, I mean i've no i've 
I'm no, nowhere near rock star compared to these guys. But I try to see that in some of my peers and like early on, like in our twenties and we're like, I see bad habits forming. Like, Oh yeah, I can't do that because I've done this already. And you're like, done what? You know? So. But what a wonderful gift that you've been given having your dad and his wisdom to, you know, say these things to you or, you know, give you the perspective of what he's seen or worked with or dealt with, or, you know, you're yeah. able to use those as reference points to, to keep your, your focus on creating and not get sidetracked by all the oh, other things. Don't get me wrong. It happens. It ha- it happens to of the course. rest of us. Uh, you know, the whole like, Oh yeah, I'm a guitar player and uh, uh, whatever you have a normal job. Great. You know, it, it, it happens. It seeps in, but it's, it's a very mindful thing. And I know you take part in the hundred days for mindfulness challenge. And I'm like, every time I see that hashtag, I go, oh, I need to start doing that. And then I immediately scroll and it's gone. The thought is gone. So like, I need to, I need to start getting into that, but I'll keep you accountable. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're, you're signing up for a very large undertaking. I will just forewarn you. You do it in your own way. That's that's all that matters is, is yeah. how you can how you can show up in your way is is just different for everybody. So that's sure, what it's sure. about, you know. Sure, sure, absolutely. So I want you to describe Umphreys to me in three words. <laughs> I can go one I can go one of two ways with this. <laughs> <laughs> I could go really satirical and and goofy, or I could go really heartfelt and 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 uh, cheesy. Um, go which whichever way feels right. <laughs> <laughs> the the the, go- the goofy way is eh, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> nice complex salt, as Joel would call that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all right. Yeah, they're all right. Um, it's the complicit version. The good one. The good one. The nice one would be thank you guys. Nice. Thank you, because it's uh, Chris. Chris Noll and I, because Chris is very big in the mental health profession. We've had really long discussions about this, and I never really wanted to come out and be overly sentimental about this sort of thing, but they did come into my life in a point where I really needed them and um, changed some things around for me, which I am forever indebted for and grateful for. So um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, All right. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead and say whatever you, you want to say. No, I, no, I, don't, I don't know this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's, that's good. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I that's want good. you to uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media, your website, any of that kind of stuff. Okay. So feel free to friend me on Facebook. Uh, I know you'll probably tag me in this. Um, on Facebook, uh, feel free to please add me. I know I'm probably on like kind of weird privacy settings, but, um, I will respond if you, 
if you add me. Um, on Instagram, I always have to check this because it changes quite a bit, but it's currently some weird, weird convoluted thing. It's underscore Joe dot D-O-C underscore. So Joe Doc. And um, that's that's the Instagram. The Facebook, uh, I mean, excuse me, my website is still under construction and a little funny right now, so don't even bother checking that out. Um, when it comes time, you'll see, if you subscribe to my uh, social media then you'll see when it gets updated because I'll post something about it. Um, but for now, Experiment A is on Spotify, iTunes. I think it's on YouTube, like on a playlist somewhere. It's on Deezer. It's on Apple, Be- uh, Apple Music. It's on Amazon Music. It's on Pandora. Whatever your little heart desires, it's there. And I'm, uh, and I work on getting the Jack Douglas material to all of you as well in a, in a nice way. So. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me, Sarah. And yeah. um, this was I don't know if you have any more if you have any more questions, I'm here, but I don't want to go over your hour. Um, but I I really I really do appreciate this as it's been a long long time coming for a, an informal formal introduction. I agree. This is a lot of fun just to hang out with you and and finally be able to talk about a bunch of stuff. I would I would love to hang out and talk again sometime. Please, that would be that would be incredible. And if you're interested, um, any of you out there are interested in in chatting with me, um, I do guitar lessons. Um, I do mix lessons. Uh, if you want to talk about mixing and production of rock music, especially, I'll be here to talk uh, talk about experiences in music. Give me a ring. Um, guitar lessons. Uh, I generally try to take people who have been playing for a little while so we can start to talk about harmonic concepts because um, there are guys that are really great for beginning guitar players, and I'm definitely not one of them. Um, I don't have that talent to to kind of work people through. I just don't know how to teach that, but I could teach other things. So um, let me know. We'll talk. Awesome. Sounds good. And I'll be able to I'll share all of your stuff and everything, so all the things so right on, right on. <laughs> the whole post all the information <laughs> and all the Perfect. stuff and Perfect. anything else you want to send me so yeah. thank you very much sarah and um be well stay safe and hopefully it's not a hundred days of you in the house with the kids but <laughs> who knows a hundred days it's a mindfulness, 100 days of mindfulness. Yeah, that's why I signed up. I'm like, I'm going to need this. We're only on like day number eight. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, there you Somebody go. Somebody please help me. <laughs> but it's well, nice because I've got my space downstairs now. And I'm like, I can hide downstairs when I do my calls. Oh, perfect. So awesome. I'm oh, like, thanks. I got an interview, guys. Peace. I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, well let, me, well, let me know when you get together with Carl, and maybe I'll do a secret drop-by, because I know he doesn't have social media, so he won't see this. So uh, we can uh, – I'll, I'll secretly sneak in, and then we can make fun of him together. I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I will, uh, right. I'll talk to you soon, Sarah. Yeah, all right. It was great Bye. to hang out. Yeah, Bye. thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I'll Bye. So that's everything I have for this week of the show. Thank you again to Joey for your time. It was such a pleasure finally getting to chat with you and hang out. Let's do it again soon, please. 
There's a bunch of links for things in the show notes, including how you can watch our conversation on YouTube and IGTV, where you can check out past episodes, how you can book your own conversation on the podcast, and all of the places that you can check out Joey on social media, YouTube, etc., as well as where you can give a listen to his new album, Experiment A, so be sure to scope all of that out. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Bad love.